InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. What's the key to making America's cities thrive? Our next guest says the answer is just one word, walkability. He's Jeff Speck, a city planner and author of Walkable City, How Downtown Can Save America One Step at a Time. With all the issues that city dwellers grapple with, such as costly housing, parking problems, and crime, why do you believe walkability is the number one thing that would transform downtowns? Well, I think this discussion for a long time has been about cities versus suburbs, or I should say traditional cities, those that invite walking and are typically served by transit, versus more auto-oriented places. And we like to make the contradiction between traditional neighborhoods in any form and sprawl. The question is, what have we learned in the last few years or even the last few decades about what makes places succeed and makes places fail? And what we're learning is that we have three separate crises in this country, an economic crisis, a health crisis, and clearly a sustainability crisis, also known as climate change. The solutions seem to be found in cities, but not in every kind of city, but in cities where essentially people are less reliant on the automobile for accomplishing all of their daily needs. What's been astounding as someone who's approached this as a planner and a designer, essentially shouting into the wind for a number of decades, because no one really listens to designers that much, is that when the economists started talking about how walkable cities are actually much more productive, and the epidemiologists started talking about how we're much healthier when we live in walkable cities. And finally, the environmentalists turned on a dime, and after you know advocating for country life for two centuries since Jefferson, are now saying, if you want to save the country, live in the city. Now that these three groups are advocating so much for walkable cities, these issues that we used to gather around and surround with the urbanism label or the good urban design label has become much more of an accessible argument that, as you suggest, can be framed under the single word, walkability. Jeff, you point out that some cities have this problem licked to some extent. You mentioned Chicago, San Francisco, some other cities that are fairly walkable, but there are many others, in some cases smaller cities, that are totally not ones that are easy to get around in. Is that really the focus of this book? Yeah, what's interesting is that so much of the discussion about this has been coming out of those few places that actually have it fairly figured out, because I would argue, and others as well, that more sophisticated discussions are coming out of cities that are more walkable. It's funny, though, that most of the places that have the wherewithal and have, for example, the the intellectual community to sponsor a book talk or to have a forum around this issue, those tend to be places that need me the least. And most of the cities I've been going to to promote the book have been places that have that kind of intellectual culture because they've been able to come together as a society in a network of streets that support street life and the kind of culture that grows out of street life. But my point is that there's about two handfuls of cities in America, the usual suspects, you know, the San Francisco's, the New York, Chicago's, Portland, even Honolulu, about two handfuls of cities that have at least figured it out at the leadership level. That isn't to say that they've accomplished everything that they're aiming to accomplish in terms of becoming more walkable and more transit-oriented. But they're at least on the right track. But the typical small to mid-sized city in which most Americans live has just begun to move down this curve intellectually. And I should say there are a lot of larger cities, like the Phoenixes and the Houstons, Sunbelt cities, Jacksonville and Tampa are prime examples, where there's almost nothing being done at all to make cities truly more walkable. 
in ways that would free the typical citizen from the burden of using the car for every activity. For anyone who's tried to find a parking space in a downtown area, I'm sure they would agree walking is an easier way to get around, but obviously there are limits to how far you can travel and how much you can carry if you're walking. How do cars fit into this equation? Some people think that the argument has to take place between biking and transit or between transit or walking or between walking and taxis. And in fact, generally, cities tend to either shape themselves around supporting individual car ownership and individual car driving or around everything else. So a city that is good for walking tends to be good for biking, tends to be good for transit, tends to be good for taxis, and also car share. You're probably aware of these car share programs that are springing up all over the country. I like to say, if you want to know whether your city is truly ready for car share, walk downtown, stick out your hand, and see if a taxi comes. Because if you've got a decent taxi culture, it means that not everyone owns a car. And of course, if everyone owns a car, no one needs to borrow one. Jeff, you mentioned four categories of walkability. I wondered if you could touch on those for us. My point is that because most American cities are principally driving cities, the challenge that we face in our communities is to create opportunities for walking where the walk itself is actually a better experience that offers higher utility than making the choice to drive. And that's very difficult. And so the question is, if we're trying to get people to walk, how do we do that? And my argument is that the walk needs to be useful, the walk needs to be safe, the walk needs to be comfortable, and the walk needs to be interesting. Useful has to do with having the proper balance of uses in a given area and tends to suggest that the place in most communities where walkability is possible is going to be the downtown, either the heart of the city or those other mixed-use shopping areas where there's already more than just housing. But in most of those places, in most urban city centers, think about the downtown of almost any American city, it's housing that is in shortest supply. And most cities now are trying to get more housing in the heart of their downtown, but they're not necessarily having that much success. The safe walk has to do with all the things that people normally talk about when they talk about walkability. But these are things that most cities get wrong. Half of the cities get half of these things wrong. Mm -hmm. How many lanes of travel are there? Do you have more lanes of travel than you need? Because every travel lane is another lane to cross when you cross the street. How wide are the lanes? Why are you putting 12-foot travel lanes, which are 70-mile-an-hour lanes, through the middle of your downtowns, as most Americans do, when a 10-foot lane is the right size lane? And of course, every foot causes the car to go faster. The provision for bicycles, of course, and so many other details, street trees, parallel parking, that barrier of steel that protects pedestrians on the sidewalk from moving traffic has been scraped off of so many streets in downtowns. And then finally, the interesting walk, just because you shape a space with walls doesn't mean those walls are interesting. And a parking structure or the blank wall of a machine shop or the wall of the pharmacy, which in most cities they're allowed to fill up with boards that hide what's going on inside the pharmacy so they can have more shelf space, mm -hmm. but from the sidewalk you don't see anything. You know, these are sort of things that cities can legislate to prevent. And, you know, we humans are among the social primates and nothing interests us more than other humans. And we really need to have zoning codes and subdivision ordinances, the sort of things that already control the way that we build our country. We need to have codes that reflect that people will not walk past blank walls. For anyone listening who thinks, gee, these sound like great ideas, how could we make our city change to adopt some of this? What would you say? Well, this is really the challenge that we face because so many American cities are so far down the path 
to being principally or almost entirely driving cities. The question is, how can we make a change which is meaningful? And my argument is to understand the majority of most American cities will remain automotive cities, but that there are certain parts of the city that are already mixed use, that already support walking to a certain degree, where by very limited investments in what a city can invest in, which is principally the quality of its thoroughfares, you know, what do the streets look like? We can turn them from almost walkable into quite walkable. So if the hierarchy is the useful, safe, comfortable, and interesting walk, what you find in many American cities is certain places downtown that are already pretty useful and already pretty comfortable and interesting because they have lots of nice old buildings in them. But the streets have been wrecked over the years by widenings, by cars being removed from the curb by trees being pulled down, etc. And that's where limited investments in sometimes something as simple as a restriping to bring the parallel parking back, to put bikes on the street, can make the street safe enough so that it has everything it needs for people to want to be there. The book is Walkable City, How Downtown Can Save America One Step at a Time. Jeff Speck is the author. You can learn more about him at jeffspeck.com. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us today on InfoTrack. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.